Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Tomorrow is the um, 25th. Yes, tomorrow's the 25th. Today is the 24th. October 25th at noon. 36 years ago is when I gave my life to the Lord. And so it's my birthday tomorrow, my spiritual birthday. And um, I was reminded for two reasons. First of all, driving into church today, cold, damp, rainy. That's the exact same kind of day it was when I gave my life to the Lord. Um, I was on the side of the, I was driving home. Um, it's a, it's a, quite a lengthy story. I, I won't share it all with you, but um, my wife and I both grew up in denominational churches where there wasn't like, come forward, give your life to Jesus, a moment of salvation. There was a lot of trusting and baptism and confirmation and all of that. For her, it was a very real deal. For her, it had already traveled to her heart. Without knowing she was born again, she was born again. You know, we talk about some people getting saved with a, with a dimmer pack, with a rheostat, with a light some comes on, and then all of a sudden, somewhere during that rotation, the light comes on. Well, that was her. I, on the other hand, was a light switch experience where um, I had all the information that I was raised with, you know, all of being raised Lutheran. She was re- raised Reformed church, so between the two of us, we had quite the, quite the interesting theological backgrounds. Um, like I said, she was Dutch Reformed, and I was, I was Lutheran, the master race, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we had all the information. I had all the information and, and all those things. I was the president of my Luther League because I had some leadership abilities. And, and I knew that I wanted to be a pastor early on in junior high school. And I said that in my confirmation class. And all the kids laughed at me. And the pastor didn't defend my call to ministry. So at that, I took a hard left. <laughs> And decided to work really hard in my mind towards me and, and the things of the world and, and became uh, successful in all that. And, but uh, I was just n- nominal at best. However, uh, and in all of that, of course, I got involved with a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have been involved with. Uh, drinking and drugs and craziness, super craziness. She went away to school and we had gotten engaged, but then... We didn't got unengaged. That's a very long story. When she gave the ring back, right? So then that put me in another funky headspace, and and all of that. And she said, "Listen, if we're going to do this thing, we got to, you know, you're going to have to straighten yourself out. You got to get yourself together." You know what I'm saying? And so I did. I mean, I'm a person of a strong, you know, intestinal fortitude. I have a will. Boom. I willed myself to being good as long as I was around her. You're feeling me on that one, right? Right, so, you know, we went to our premarital counseling session with the Dutch Reformed pastor, which was about a 30-minute session of what do you want to do in the ceremony? And um, so he didn't have a whole lot of ideas. I thought of what it should be like, so I, you know, I put together pretty much my own wedding ceremony, and um, uh, we got married, and... Then I realized, you know, we didn't live together before we were married. Uh, she was like really saved and I wasn't, but we started shopping for churches, looking around, trying to fl- find a place, not her church, not 
my church, but we went to the Baptist church. We went to the Presbyterian church. We went to all of them, right? And so we're at this Presbyterian church, um, third Presbyterian, which I guess is better than first and second. I don't know how that works <laughs> as you move down the line. I think there's a fifth Presbyterian here in town somewhere. Uh, anyway, uh, very long story. I'm, I'm trying to abbreviate. I'm just having fun going down memory lane here for a minute. Uh, and so uh, we, we got married. And then she's like reading the Bible all the time. Like, what gives with that? All right. She's reading the Bible every morning. She's doing devotions every morning. She thinks that we should read the Bible together. And all I know is 1 Corinthians 13, which is a really good scripture to know when you first get married because you got to figure out it's not about you. It's about them. And love is patient and kind and uh, all that stuff. So I'm like, all of that. And, and I had this job. I was, uh, I was actually a manager of a McDonald's. I'm, your pastor is the graduate of Hamburger University, if you don't know that. But I am a, I, so I learned all about systems and all of those, those things and all of their educational process, interpersonal communications. And I can put a shake, to get, shake, I put a shake to, machine together blindfold, which I think how most of them do it now because they never work in any of the McDonald's that you go to. But anyway, so I, I had this job. And, and, and before, I was kind of like... Uh, I was like the wonder child, right? Because I had, I, had, I had a great work ethic. I loved to work. I was working 60, 70 hours a week. I was a salaried manager, which is what you do when you run a store. You're not hourly. So they just work you like a son of a gun so you can get labor down. You don't have labor costs. And so that's down in the weeds. But nonetheless, I worked really hard. Then I got married. Well, now I have this responsibility of a wife to be home. Like, what time do you get off? Well, I get off at 5. Well, how come you're, now it's 7.30 and you're getting home. Well, you know, this broke and that broke and they needed help, flipping burgers or whatever, you know. And so now I had this, I had this dichotomy in my life, which I didn't have before. I'm like, I got my wife, my, this marriage I got to serve. And then I, this, and so the Wonder Boy, Eric Hansen, job performer, McDonald's manager, was no, the shine came off of that because I wasn't putting in 70 hours a week anymore. I'm like, listen, it's seven o'clock. I, I got to get home. And so it, it, did, it wasn't going well in, in, in that regard. I, I managed stores in Pekin, built a store in Pekin, built a store in Morton, worked in Canton, worked in almost all the stores in Peoria. And, uh, but I, I just, you, every night you're coming home, you smell like onions and all that. I mean, McDonald's, I mean, it did well for me. My, it was my second job. I started flipping burgers and worked all the way up. So it was a great th experience for me. I learned a lot of stuff, but I was just done with that. Cheryl was done with that. And so we're in this throes. We're just brand new married, trying to figure out if this is whatever. Because I, you know, I was going to go on. I was going to purchase a McDonald's. I want to be a franchisor. I'm going to make millions of dollars. Um, but uh, she says, well, why don't we pray that God would give you a different job? I'm like, What are you talking about? Pray that God would give you. Well, she says, well, what kind of job do you want? Well, I said, I, you know, I want weekends off. I want to work in an office. I don't want to come home smelling like onions every day. I want paid holidays. I want paid vacation. I want, so I want all this stuff, right? So we made a list of about seven or eight things. And I would say I prayed, but she prayed. We prayed. And um, the next day, I'm at work. I had to go in at 5 o'clock in the morning for open shift. About 7 o'clock in the morning, the phone rang at the, at, the, at the McDonald's that I worked at on Court Street in Pekin at the time. And a gentleman on the other end of the phone used to work for McDonald's, but he had gone on to, to work for a, to, in the world of finance, finance company. He said, Eric, how you doing? I said, fine. And he goes, what's going on? He goes, why, well, I, I work for this company now, and we need someone that has your job skills. I wasn't looking for a job. 
he calls me out of the blue less than 12 hours after my wife had prayed. And he says, listen, it's a great job. I mean, air conditioning, you work inside, you got your own desk, you got your own office, paid holidays, vacation, you're not coming home smelling like onions every day. I'm like, no, you're kidding me. So I went and I interviewed, I got the job. McDonald's paid me for the two week severance. So I was getting paid for not working while I was getting trained in this other job. I mean, it was awesome. Just amazing that everything that we had prayed for the night before, this man said that this job offered. And the place I interviewed, the guy was the supervisor over the state, was a Christian, which is weird. Because at that point, I hadn't really truly made a commitment to the Lord. But I knew that I knew that now God heard prayers. There was somebody somewhere that heard what we said. And it all came together less than 12 hours later. It was just miraculous. So I knew that I knew that I was supposed to take this job. So I took this job, and then they immediately transferred me to the hellhole of offices. They, you know how they, have you ever been in a timeshare presentation where they show you the model suite? But that's not the place you get. You get the one next to the garbage dump or whatever, you know? And so I ended up uh, working in this office where my immediate supervisor was just a pervert to the max. It was just, he was cussing, swearing, left to work every day at noon to go get drunk. There were Playboy magazines in the bathroom. Everybody was just, it was just horrible. You'd be lying to clients just to get them to sign on the dotted line. I mean, it was like, what the heck? But I knew, I knew that I was supposed to have this job, so I was in conflict. So in all of that, I knew that there was, so I started listening to Christian radio. At that time, it was WCIC up in the Peak and Peoria area. Like that's, that, then there was another kind of a L-U-J, WLUJ kind of station, which is a little more moody, a little more mellow, a little more sedate. I was a little more, I was really, I was wanting something more, but, but on WLUJ, there was all this teaching. They had teacher after teacher, Chuck Swindoll, and on and on and on. And, and I don't know Chuck Swindoll from the hole in the ground. I just know this guy's preaching the word. I want to hear it. And, you know, send in, get a free book. I'm getting everything free. I have a free book you can never get. And I'm reading those things, trying to figure it all out, you know. And, and uh, it's just, it came to a boiling point that uh, I, was, I, I needed to make a decision with my life. I mean, I knew I was in this job. It was a terrible job, but I knew that God, and it was October 26th, excuse me, October 25th, tomorrow, 36 years ago, at about five o'clock, well, it was at noon that day. I was on my lunch break right there outside of um, Northwoods Mall. It was noon, and I was in my pickup truck, and gosh, I was just conflicted, but on the radio, they're talking about Jesus, and he's the answer, and all of this, and, and I didn't know. I didn't know but I decided to believe. I didn't have all the answers. didn't have all my questions answered, but I decided that I was going to believe. And so I acted like I took the steering wheel off of my, it was a Ford F-100 pickup truck, and I acted like I took the steering wheel off of it, and I handed it over to the passenger. I mean, if you would have been watching me at the time, I literally did it. I just acted like I took the steering wheel, and I said, listen, If you are who you say, I'm challenging God now at this point. I said, if you are who you say you are, I'm done driving my life. I want you to drive my life from here on out. That was it. That was my sinner's prayer. I mean, I didn't go to an altar. I didn't know music playing. Angels didn't appear in the car. I didn't hear a voice. I just made a declaration. I'm going to serve you if you really are who you say you are. 
Went back to the office, worked the rest of the day. Driving home. I was driving home in weather like this. Five o'clock, starting to get dark, wet, rainy. Interstate 74, 474 is the bypass that goes over the Illinois River right side of Pekin. Because I lived in Pekin and I worked in Peoria. And there was this guy on the side of the road, he was hitchhiking. And I saw him. And old Eric would have slowed down to hit a, a mud puddle somewhere near him. <laughs> or I would have slowed down to think, make him think I was going to pick him up just to pull away. See, this is, I was the kind of person you didn't want your kids playing with growing up. Well, you need to know, don't play with Eric. You end up like him. So I drove. I'd like to say I stopped and I helped him and I had this visitation of an angel. But what happened was I drove right by him. I didn't slow down. I didn't splash him. But as I drove by him, I began to weep. I began to cry. I was so broken for this man who was on the side of the road in the rain without a car, sopping wet, hitchhiking. Something had come alive on the inside of me, and I didn't know what to do with it. So what, what's going on? I'm just, I, I didn't know. I didn't know what had happened to me. And then it dawned on me that just five hours before at noon, I put God in control of my life. And I got home, and I said, Cheryl, you're not going to believe what happened today. And I told her everything that happened. And she goes, yeah, yeah, you know, loving Jesus, trusting Jesus, right? And it was at that moment that we both realized what being born again was. And we began this journey of looking for a church, um, a new church, because I went to the Presbyterian church and started telling them what had happened. They looked at me like I had a third eyeball in the middle of my forehead, right? Very, very reformed in their theology. Well, of course, you're predestined and all blah, 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 blah. Like, now, we bounced around churches, and this was for several weeks until I remembered that in my Lutheran school, in my Lutheran, what we would call confirmation class, Wednesday night, um, and we had a, a guy who, in retrospect, had become born again at the local Assemblies of God church in our town, but he remained the youth sponsor. And he got all of us kids all jazzed up. This was back, now I'm coming back in years when I was in junior high school. And he thought it would be a good idea that we did a report on different types of churches in the community. So he took us to a church service at the assembly, a bunch of Lutheran little kids took us to a assemblies of God church service under the guise of doing a report on different types of churches, all the while hoping all of his kids would get saved. Right? So now I'm whatever I am, I'm 24 years old, 25 years old, and I'm like, I remember that. Let's go try the assemblies of God church. Those people were really happy. The music was really good. And by happy, I thought they were all high or stoned because they could not be that happy normally. The music was really good, and I was a musician. And thirdly, ah, the service is a little long because I'm used to like 45 minutes, get in, get out. You need to get home and see the kickoff, you know what I'm saying? So we went, we went, and it was like, these people get it. They understand what has happened to me because I didn't get saved in a church. I got saved in my truck. So I tell them about my truck experience. Oh, yeah, 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 you're born again. Now you need the Holy Ghost. 
What? I didn't even know there was such a thing as the Holy Ghost. There's more? There's more? So then I dig into figuring out what all that is, right? But I'm a Lutheran. So Luther, oh, you guys got to get ready for, I'm bringing Martin Luther next week to, because it's Reformation Sunday, next Sunday, the 31st. Anyway, I'm Lutheran, still in root, but I'm in this, and there's a Holy Ghost. So I started researching and figuring out, oh, the Holy Ghost is all over the Bible. The power of the Holy Spirit's all over the Bible. Well, what did Martin Luther have to say about the Holy Spirit? Well, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so I was on this journey, and I was listening to a preacher on the radio, and he said of Martin Luther, the reformer, that whenever he was down or dejected, he always reminded himself that he was baptized. And he would lay hands on his own head, and he would say out loud, I am baptized, which would be an affirmation of his salvation in that theology, right? This is how it all comes together. Well, I'm seeking this baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm driving down Parkway in Pekin, Illinois, I'm like, I want the baptism, but I'm not looking for water baptism because I've already been water baptized as an infant. I was water baptized as an infant. I have not yet been water baptized like by immersion, but I guess the water baptism by infant stuck on some regard. I don't know. So I lay my hand on my head while I'm driving. And I say, I'm baptized. And I began speaking in tongues while I was driving. I didn't lose my mind. I didn't drive off the road. Because I'm fully in control of, I mean, the Lord doesn't reach in your mouth and grab your tongue like the shaker, like a clacker in a bell or whatever. You don't lose your mind. You're totally, the, the, the spirit is totally subject to the prophet. And I began to speak because I had researched, I understood. And it's not a prerequisite for heaven. It's just a blessing that God adds, the abundance, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost and power, Holy Ghost and fire came and boom, that took me from like Tinker Toys to the Erector Set. It took me from Lincoln Logs to doing the full-blown house, right? And I'm like, I am on jet fuel now. I thought I was fired up before. Now I'm like, I'm ready to burst through the atmosphere. I'm going to go into orbit, right? So now I'm devouring everything, devouring everything. I'm, you know, I'm reading the word. Now I'm realizing that everybody on the radio doesn't come from the same theological perspective. That like, wait a second, there's people talking about like the Holy Ghost isn't for today on the radio. What's up with that? That ain't right, because I know I got it. And you know how you know you got it? When the devil tells you you didn't, because he's a liar. So um, we'll take in an offering and do the announcements here pretty soon when I'm having a good time telling you the story. So, so is that okay? I mean, they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Somebody's, I hope, being encouraged today just a little bit. So I'm like, I go home, I go home, and I'm like, I, I, Cheryl, I got the Holy Ghost. She goes, yeah, of course you got the Holy Ghost. You, you know, you love Jesus. And if you're born again, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. You don't tell a Baptist he don't have the Holy Ghost. If somebody's saved, they have the Holy Ghost. But I'm talking about letting the Holy Ghost come out past the most difficult member of your body to tame, which is your tongue. For out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not a river, but rivers, manifold rivers. This comes out of you, which is, which is evidence that he's alive within you. So um, I explain all this to her because I'm a deep theologian now, all saved about six weeks that I am. That, that, uh, and so we start going to this connect group in the Assemblies of God Church that we were going to, every Thursday night they had a potluck. And some weeks it was dicey. Got to be honest with you. Wasn't thrilled about what was in the hot, in the crock pot every month, every week. But, 
But the, the people were just genuine and loving and, and it wasn't a big house. It was kind of a small cramped house, man. Sometimes we were like four on a couch. You never sit four on a couch unless you have to, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so four on a couch. And, man, and, and we were talking to some guy who didn't play guitar well. I played, honestly played much better than him, but I'm like, this is, I guess, we got to listen to terrible music now that I'm a Christian, I guess. And so, so he, do Lord, oh, do Lord, oh, do remember me. I got a river of life flowing. Anybody? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm like, okay, they're good. That's awesome. And then they go, okay, we're talking about the Holy Spirit tonight. The guys are going to be in this room. The girls are going to go in the back room. And there goes my wife to the back room. Comes out talking in tongues. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost at Connect Group. And I'm like, okay, this is super cool. So now we're like both jazz. We're both trying to figure it out. But church... First Assembly of God on Parkway in Pekin, Illinois. I love the pastor. He just recently passed. His name was Ron Callahan. Um, it was a great church, and I went to Sunday school class. I went to everything that could be done. We got baptized. Well, I had to cross that river with my Lutheran mom and dad. You know, why are you getting baptized again, son? Didn't what we do? Didn't what we do? Wasn't that good? Yeah, you did what you did. You did the best you could, mom. Thank you. You did the, you, thank you for giving me all that. But now the gospel has traveled from my head to my heart, and I'm supposed to make a declaration of my own. Well, you did that when you went to confirmation class because in that theology, you're baptized as an infant, you're saved, you come uh, 10, 12, 11 years old, you go to confirmation class, then you stand in front of the church and you confirm, a la confirmation. You confirm what your parents did for you at that age and you make these confessions. But the only reason I made those confessions is because my dad said you will do it. Your feet are under my table eating my food, you're going to confirmation class and you're going to get confirmed, doggone ya kind of like that. And so the reason that I went through confirmation is because I was forced to go to confirmation, which I'm thankful that I was. But now it's like, I did all the class. I'm like, pastor. So I went in to see him. I said, pastor, um, I believe this is a great church. I love this church, but it's just not enough. I need more. He goes, well, have you ever considered going to Bible school, Bible college? Mm, I don't know. He goes, well, I, can, I, I said, listen, when I was in school, hand to heaven, I never studied. I didn't study. Whatever I learned in class, that's what I would regurgitate on the test, and I was happy to get C's. I was a C student. If I got a D, it pulled up just enough, failed typing class, because I always lifted my hands. They put cardboard over your hands, and I lift my hands up so I could look at the letters, and she hated me. Anyway, I digress. I forgive her. I forgive her. <laughs> She goes, Eric, promise me you'll never take another typing class and I will pass you. I said, I promise I'll never take another typing class. So she passed me. Anyway, so I wasn't good in school because I didn't apply myself. So I told my pastor, I said, listen, me in college, I mean, I did community college. I did music in college in, at Illinois Central College in East Peoria. I did music management. I took all the music classes. I love music, so I succeeded at that. But when it came time for spreadsheet, music business, whatever. I just, nah, I just didn't know. I'd rather play euchre for money. It's another story. So I was very good at don't ever play me in euchre. I'll take all your money. <laughs> because I, I said, I can't, I don't know. College, college for me, I don't know, four years, four years. I just got married. Four years, I just got married. He goes, well, think about it. Pray about it. Prayed with me. That week, uh, Matthew chapter 11 uh, verse 28, 20, 27, 28, 29, just like, you ever been reading the Bible and then all of a sudden the words just like 
kind of like turn neon or glow or like all of a sudden like, and you just like, what the heck? I've read it before, right? Now it's like, and it says, come unto me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Okay, I can do that. Well, how am I going to do that? I got to go to Bible school. So Cheryl and I came to this agreement. This is what we're going to do. And so sight unseen, I mean, there's no internet. You don't get online, take a virtual tour of the campus. <laughs> you call them and say, please send me a black and white catalog with a few pictures in it and all the course descriptions. Downtown Minneapolis is where I was headed. Sight unseen, sold everything we owned. Everything we owned except for the car. My pickup truck, God bless my pickup truck because, because I, the guy paid me $1,000 more than I was asking for my pickup truck. I had to sell everything to go to a Ford school. Listed it back in the day, you listed it in the newspaper. You did. You took out a one ad and you paid for it. And you came out and you ran it for seven days or whatever. A guy calls me. You're Eric Hansen, yes, because uh, you have a truck for sale. Yes, a Ford F100. It's a beautiful truck. Had a topper on it. Had a CB radio in it. Anywhere there's a microphone, you can find me. There's a CB radio in it. He came over. He looked at it. Didn't drive it. And he gave me $1,000 more. He said, I'll give you $1,000 more than you're asking for. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, I heard you're going to Bible school. <laughs> what the heck? Wow. Okay, that's cool. Uh, confirmation. Got to rent a U-Haul truck to move my uh, one-bedroom apartment to Minneapolis. So I, you know, what do I need? Those little milk trucks or whatever, you, you know. So I get on, call 1-800, rent a U-Haul truck. Well, then I drive out to the edge of town where these things are kept after I've rented it, and I realize ah, all my stuff's not, my waterbed's not going to fit in there, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Anybody else have a waterbed back in the day? Any other waterbed? You're, I'm embarrassed for you because that's what I had. I had a waterbed. I'm so old. So, so, so I drive out to the edge of town. I see this van, and it's like, I'm not going to fit all my stuff in there, but I don't know that I can afford the bigger van, right? So I get call 1-800, U-Haul, whatever it is. Uh, I said, listen, I just made a reservation yesterday. I need, I need a, the larger size. And he goes, okay, what's your, blah, 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 blah. And he goes, he goes you're, this is a 1-800 call center for U-Haul. He goes, you're Eric Hansen from Springfield, Illinois? He goes, yeah. He goes, I used to be your maintenance man at the McDonald's in Morton, Illinois. He goes, let me hook you up with a big old truck. Boom, 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 boom. I get like this 28-foot-long truck. I only take up like that much room in the back. But the, he, he blesses me with a, with, a, with a huge truck, you know. And, and uh, so we, we go to, we go to um, Minneapolis. But now I realize that I'm going to apply myself. And so my mind is redeemed, and like I am, I am ravenously hungry for information and revelation and knowledge. I'm reading more than I should be reading. And you can read a lot in college, but I'm reading, I'm reading everything I get my hands on. I'm, a, I'm a, your classic overachiever because now I've taken all of my performance things from McDonald's, excellence, and all of this man, and I've applied it. And now I'm at the top of my class. I go through school. I'm a senior speaker. I'm the graduating speaker of my class. I earn a scholarship to tour Israel. Um, I'm like, this is not really me, right? So I said, Lord, what am I going to do with this four-year education? 
I'm three and a half years through. It's December before I graduate. What am I going to do? Everybody, everybody and their brother is going to be a youth pastor. Like, okay, I guess that's what we do. We become a youth pastor. We do that for a while. We figure out how to do it. And then we become a pastor. All right. Then I was deciding whether or not the call of a missionary is on my life because I had an opportunity to go teach in, in Africa. So we're weighing all these things. God says, I want you to be a senior pastor. I'm like, wait, wait a second, God. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I've only been saved three and a half years. I got saved and went right into Bible school. I mean, I wasn't saved a year before I was in Bible school, right? Green. Boom. He says, no, I want you to be a senior pastor. Well, that's not how it's done, Lord. He says, this is how we're going to do it. Because I want you to make an application. I want you to... I want you to, and this is some of the old Eric, North Central uh, University is subsidized by uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois, uh, and Indiana. All those states support, because they're the closest states to this particular school, and so all the district superintendents from all of those states were coming to interview seniors who would like to minister in their state, state of Illinois. And you're only supposed to sign up for two, but I signed up for all of them. I repented later. <laughs> but being the overachiever, I needed to talk to all of them. Why would I only pick two? There's like seven of them coming. I want to talk to all of them about this opportunity. And so I decided that I would uh, fill out an application. I would find out every Assemblies of God open church in those seven states that needed a senior pastor, regardless of size, whether they, they were a church of 20 or a church of 2,000, if they needed a senior pastor, I was potentially their man because this is what God told me to do, to be a senior pastor. So I, I wrote out a resume and a cover letter, tweaked it for each one. I probably sent out 30 different, I mean, churches of 2,000 got my resume. They must have laughed hilariously. And, little, and I said, here's what's going to happen, Lord. The first one that calls me, I'm going to talk to them until I have a yes or a no. And then if it's a no, then I'll move on to the next one if there's somebody else that calls me. Because I'm not going to pit churches against each other. Oh, this church says they'll pay me this, and this church is bigger, and this church is closer, and this church... No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take them in the order they come. The very first church that contacted me was a little church called Blue Earth Assembly of God. I'm not three and a half years saved. Three and a half years, I'm a brand, I'm a neophyte, but... I got some determination, you know what I'm saying? They interview me, they say, yes, we want you to be our pastor. I'm 26 years old, 27 years old. Never pastored all day in my life. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus was so grateful, graceful, man. Right, so now I'm taking my senior classes, my last semester in college. I'm taking 21 credits. I'm working as a computer operator for Sears at the time in their credit department because of the, the uh, banking background that I had, finance background that I had. So I'm running a computer for them and, and doing that and commuting two, two and a half hours down to Blue Earth out of Minneapolis every Sunday morning. So we'd get up like at five o'clock in the morning. We'd travel down. I teach the Sunday school. I do the Sunday morning service. I go to somebody's house in the afternoon who wanted to hang out with the pastor who generally didn't allow me to nap <laughs> and then turn around and do the Sunday night service at seven o'clock. None of the 630 stuff. 
7 o'clock, get done with church at 8.30, 9 o'clock night, then two and a half hours back for a 7 a.m. Monday morning class. I did that for an entire semester. But that's where I learned to pastor because it was a church that loved pastors. It was a little rural community, 4,200 people, not a stoplight in the town, really. More pigs than people, and that's not an understatement. But they loved pastors. They were gracious to me. They helped me learn how to do. And so I would go out and I'd ride in the combine while during harvest. And I'd talk to the, the, the guys that were working and hang out with their kids. And my wife taught the youth group and she was my secretary for a while. That just didn't work out. <laughs> and we grew the church from, from about, oh, 50 or 60 to about 130 people. So we more than doubled the church in four years. And so I was like, and I went on to work on my master's degree at Mankato State University in speech communication because I began to figure out, because I'm, I'm a systems person with my training and my upbringing, I learned how to be a pastor. I learned the system. And you know what? After about three years, I could have put my feet up and drank coffee the rest of my life because I knew enough to get by, do it. But there's something more inside of me, something burning inside of me. You got to do it. The district superintendent from Illinois has an empty church at Carpenter and Klein in downtown Springfield. He's the one that interviewed me three years before during that mass interview process. He said, Eric, we have a church that's available in Springfield, Illinois. We know you're an Illinois boy, born and raised, Bloomington. You want to come back to Illinois? Then Lee Binky and Dawn and, and uh, Larry Close and the board, they come up to see me. Were you on that trip, Lee? No. They come up to see me, but I remember Larry was, and here you are, your little rural town, and all of a sudden there's three couples that are visitors sitting in the back row, a little obvious, and uh, they said, we want you to come, and so I came, and then we built I Worship Center, and now we're here. And I'll tell you, some of the things I used to believe, I don't believe anymore about the church and about pastoring. Um, I'm less of a systems person, and I've realized that the church is not built on programs. The church is built on people. If you make people your program, then, then programs will take care of themselves. So you love people. You take care of people. You're kind to people. You, you're genuinely interested in people. And um, so I've learned a lot over those years. And tomorrow will be the 36th anniversary of the day that I went back to the garden and I found a place of communion, and my sins were forgiven, and I stopped trusting in all of the information that I had about church and about Jesus, and I said, you know what? If you really are who you say you are, why don't you come and make a difference in my life? And he did. And so my testimony to you is, he'll do the same for you. I don't know where you're at on the spectrum. If you're a rheostat and you're, you're, the boiling pot of water is starting to get warmer and now what I've said is like, oh yeah, maybe that is what I am. I am born again. I am saved. I am trusting Jesus. Or maybe you're just here and last night you were being stupid and, and you're just still full of anger and greed and jealousy and bitterness and all that kind of stuff. And you can put on a show like I did for a while. I mean, you can put on a Sunday morning show. We can all do whatever. We can walk on cut glass if we, guys. If she says, you, you want me, you can have me, but you got to straighten up. All right, I'll straighten up. I'll straighten up if it means I get you. And I'll straighten up while you watch me. Anyway, so that was me. And so 
I said there was two reasons I remembered it was my spiritual birthday. First, the rain, that tomorrow is just like this. And then secondly, where's Miss Ann? Miss Ann Lemon. There's Miss Ann. Ann Lemon remembered my spiritual birthday this morning. She came in and she says, she goes, I put it on my calendar so I can remember your spiritual birthday every year. And she gives me this, she gives me this uh, beautiful bag and I open it up and you know what it is? It's a pickup truck with a cross on the side of it. And underneath it says, Jesus, take the wheel. Isn't that fun? As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.